0: Oh my goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you are having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Monday, January 29th, and I am so excited for today's podcast. I apologize first. I want to say this. I apologize for missing Friday. I don't like missing days of the podcast. Missing the episode on Friday was completely unplanned. I apologize if you missed the show. I did too. Uh, I try not to do that as often as possible. I don't know if you guys know this. My job, I work for Washington State University filming athletic games. So I filmed uh, a game on Friday. I worked another game operating a camera on Sunday. That's my thing. You know, I'm a guy with a dream. (laughs) I work on one side of the camera filming. I would like to work on the other side of the camera doing things like this podcast, um, making money working in front of a camera, doing strong opinion sports is my ultimate goal. I'd love to build this into a company. I want to start, there are two big stories today. Uh, You know, the Blake Blake Griffin trade out of LA. And I want to talk first about the Patriots cheating in the Super Bowl. So it came out today, this story really grabbed my interest. It came out today that Steve Spagnuolo, a well-respected, really good, by the way, a really good defensive coach. He formerly was the, last year he was the Giants defensive coordinator. He once was the Rams head coach. And back in the day, when the Eagles last played in the Super Bowl, when the Eagles lost in the Super Bowl to the Patriots, by the way, in 2005, Steve Spagnolo was the linebacker coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he talked today on Philadelphia radio, um, saying that in the Super Bowl, the Patriots knew their defensive signals, and this is again before this is before Spygate came out. So people are accusing the Patriots. Of cheating, Steve Bagnola said the Patriots knew our signals in the Super Bowl. They knew when we were blitzing. Um, and he said that the Eagles learned from this mistake. The Eagles needed to use more than one guy when signaling their defensive plays into the players on the field. When I heard this, I had two immediate reactions. I want to talk about both of them. One of them was, well, maybe the Patriots did cheat. And if the Patriots did cheat, what's next? The second one was the eagles stupidity and i want to start there i want to start by talking about the eagles stupidity so i played high school football i played a little bit of college football in my high school program not not even college in high school we had five people signaling our plays to the players on the field five people signaling our plays because we knew stealing signals is part of football everybody does it it always happens and we're like we're gonna guard against that we're gonna have more than one person signaling our place for example if you saw a guy hold up the number one and every time he held up the number one a player ran a slant which is a type of route if you don't know if every time a guy held up a one one of the receivers ran a slant we would know as a defense well hey they're holding up a one they're gonna run a slant you'd prepare for the slant coming next Stealing signs, again, is part of football. It happens. And I cannot believe a professional football team in the Super Bowl would only have one person signaling plays. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. That's dumb. I I just, it's like, what? This is the NFL. This is the big boy. league. guys are doing this in high school and you, an NFL franchise, can't make that happen. That seems absurd to me. By the way, it's also funny. This is not point two, but it's funny. People are saying, well... Tom Brady knew when we were blitzing, maybe they just, maybe Tom Brady's just good at reading defenses. Did you ever consider maybe Tom Brady's just really good at reading defenses? He said Tom Brady was getting rid of the ball and throwing it really quick when the Eagles were blitzing. Again, how about we give Tom Brady like a little bit of credit? Maybe they weren't just stealing signals. Maybe they actually are good at reading defenses. Just pointing out. My point is, let's assume, okay, let's, let's assume then that maybe the Patriots did cheat. Maybe the Patriots were totally wrong. They were stealing signals. They were using, they were filming and stealing signals. Let's assume the Patriots did that for the sake of the argument. So what? So it's done. What's done is done. It's over. Remember when Reggie Bush won the Heisman? And do you remember when the NCAA came in and took his trophy away? Said you, your, your Heisman is revoked and USC lost their national championship. That's ridiculous. I thought that was the dumbest thing ever. And I don't agree with that. I don't think we should do this for the Patriots. It happened. Taking away a trophy doesn't change what happened in the past. The Patriots won the game. Cheating, Not. I don't know. You can't change history. And I just think that we go a little too far taking Reggie Bush's. Like, we take wins away from coaches. We took Reggie Bush's Heisman away. Nick Saban has had wins, I, I believe, at uh, Toledo, where he coached before Michigan State. He's had wins taken away there. It's like, guys, what? I mean... You can't change the past. So it happened. I think you got to move on. Uh, Again, this is over 10 years ago. You got to worry about the Super Bowl on Sunday. Let's not talk about the Super Bowl from 12 years ago. I know you'll get mad because we talk in the... This is Tom Brady's sixth Super Bowl. And technically, that's one of Tom Brady's six Super Bowls. I don't care. The bottom line is the Patriots won the game. The Eagles didn't. Can we move on? Can we move forward? And I, I can't believe, again, it's embarrassing and stupid that a professional football team in the NFL was using only one person to send signals into the play. That's ridiculous. Again, my high school football team had five people signaling because we knew in football signals are stolen. That's just a part of the game. If the Eagles didn't prepare for that, that I believe is on them. And again, let's not take away from what happened. This is over 10 years ago. You can't change the past. The Patriots beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Next, let's move on. Uh, I have a great episode planned for you guys today. I'm really, oh, I'm excited. It's a great one. We're going to talk about, I'm going to give you guys my Super Bowl prediction. I believe I know who will win the Super Bowl. I'm going to talk about the Blake Griffin trade. There was a big blockbuster trade that really surprised a lot of people. We're going to get into Josh Allen. We'll talk about the Senior Bowl. I'm going to talk about the Browns potentially drafting a quarterback. Why or why not? And Maybe they should. Maybe they shouldn't. We're going to talk about the XFL. Jim McMahon came out last week and said he wants to revitalize the XFL. You guys asked me to talk about that. I'm happy to. I love to oblige. I would love to talk about the XFL. And I'm going to talk about Luke Falk. Luke Falk is the quarterback from my college, Washington State University. He's moving on to the NFL and man, I've never gotten more hate in my entire life than my take formerly on Luke Falk. i want to talk. I'm going to update that. We'll talk more about Luke Falk today. It'll be interesting and fun. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. Again, it's coming to Spotify and Google Play very soon. I apologize. It's taken a long time. I know. I'm working on it. Don't worry. It's in the works. Please share this podcast with your friends. If you like this podcast, I love it. It helps me tremendously. If you guys tell your friends about this, share it on Facebook, on Twitter. If you understand Reddit, I have no idea about Reddit. I don't understand it at all. If you can help me grow by sharing this with your friends, sharing a link on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, whatever it is, tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. It will help me grow. I'm excited, man. This is a great podcast. I want to start today with the Super Bowl. Uh, Here is my Super Bowl prediction. Here's what I think will happen in the Super Bowl. I believe the game will be closer than people think. Everybody's talking about the Patriots are great. Eagles don't have a great quarterback. I don't care. This game is going to be a close game. The Patriots always have close games in the Super Bowl. And I think this is actually a more competitive game than people believe. I also think that the Eagles will get pressure on Tom Brady early in the game. Tom Brady's going to get knocked around. He's not going to be perfect and pretty in the beginning of the game. Now, my other thought about this is that Nick Foles is a complete wild card. Nick Foles, the replacement quarterback for the Eagles, we don't really know what he's going to bring. I have an idea what he's going to bring, but we don't really know. He's an absolute wild card. Now, similar to the Jaguars game, uh, two weeks ago we saw the Jaguars and the Patriots play. I believe this game will come down to one possession. And if it does come down to one possession, I believe that the better coach and the better quarterback will win the game. We're seeing that it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and a good defense versus Nick Foles, Doug Peterson, and a great defense. See the difference? Good defense versus a great defense. Now, also, by the way, the best quarterback of all time, the best coach of all time, and a good defense versus... Nick Foles, a backup, Doug Peterson, who's a pretty good coach, but not nearly the greatest of all time. And again, a great defense. Now, I believe early in the game, the Eagles will get pressure on Brady. So again, coaching matters. This comes down to coaching. Early in the game, the Eagles will get pressure on Brady. He'll look kind of ugly. He won't be perfect. The Patriots may even struggle on defense. Nick Foles is probably going to have a little bit of success. And then halftime will come around. And at a halftime, the Patriots will make adjustments. They will do what they always do. In the second half, the Patriots' defense will tighten up. Suddenly, Nick Foles will struggle a little bit. Tom Brady will become more effective. And ultimately, it'll come down to a final drive where the Patriots will win the game. Now, here's what would shock me. Here's what will absolutely surprise and shock me. I would be shocked if the Patriots got blown out by the Eagles. Now, if Nick Foles didn't show up, the Patriots might blow out the Eagles, but the Patriots are not going to lose by four touchdowns to the Eagles. That will not happen. Will not. Now, I I believe Nick Foles is going to show up and have an average pretty good game. I think he's had two weeks off. He's improved every single week. Remember that when Carson Wentz was a starting quarterback, he probably didn't play very much even in practice. Carson Wentz was getting all the reps. Nick Foles was mostly watching, watching a lot of film, doing other stuff. As Nick Foles has played more and more, as he's gotten more used to the system, Nick Foles has played better and better and better. And the Patriots could lose on a crazy play. They could lose the way they lost to the Giants, or maybe the way the Saints lost to the Vikings a couple weeks ago. Or, and don't forget the Seahawks Super Bowl. When the Seahawks, we all remember that the Seahawks threw the ball on the one-yard line. It was this crazy loss. Don't forget that crazy play they had getting them to the goal line. We remember that they lost on the goal line. People forget the Seahawks had a crazy play to get to the goal, and we don't remember how they got in that position. They threw a crazy ball downfield. It kind of bounced around. It landed on Curse. Uh, I forget his name. Jermaine Curse, I think. It, it bounced around. He landed on the ball. They got the ball on the three-yard line. A crazy play could end this game. That could be how the Patriots lost, and that is the only way I see the Patriots losing this game If they if they had a colossal mistake, because the Patriots will not embarrass themselves. They're not going to lose by three touchdowns. They're not going to make something. They're, they're well-coached. They make smart decisions. Unless they miss a field goal, they're not going to lose on a crazy play. And if, if this game's close, which I believe it will be close, I trust Tom Brady and Bill Belichick more than Nick Foles and Doug Peterson. And, and this will be a close game. I'm predicting the Patriots win 24-21 to 21 or, or maybe 21-17. to 17. Either way, the Patriots win this game by about a field goal. That's my prediction. I think the Patriots win because they have better coaching, a better quarterback, a good defense, not the great defense the Eagles have, and ultimately halftime adjustments will be the reason why the Patriots win the game and the Eagles lose the Super Bowl. So let's talk about this Blake Griffin trade. There was a trade today that just, oh man, it it, it shocked a lot of people. I remember my friends were texting me like, see what's happening? Do you see what's going on? I'm like, yes, I see what's happening. I'm watching it on Twitter. I'm watching Woe's we'll tweet about it. It's interesting to me. uh Here is what happened. Here's what happened in the trade. So, in the Blake Griffin trade, the Pistons get the Detroit Pistons traded. Uh, the Detroit Pistons get Blake Griffin. The Detroit uh, Pistons get Blake Griffin, a forward, Bryce Johnson, and a center, Willie Reed. Now, the Clippers get Avery Bradley, a guard, a forward, Tobias Harris, a center. I'm going to screw this name up. I apologize. My worst thing as a broadcaster, I'm terrible at names, Bobon Marjanovic, a 2018 first round pick and a 2019 second round pick. Now, normally the rule is whoever gets the biggest star wins the trade. This is a star driven league. I don't care about your bench players. I care about your stars. Stars win games. Therefore, usually whoever gets the best star wins the trade. That may not be the case here. You see the the Clippers. I believe might have won the trade. It's close. The Pistons got some good stuff about it, but I do think that the ultimately the Clippers won this trade. The the Clippers got the better end of this trade than the Pistons. Now it's good for the Pistons. Here's why it's good for the Pistons. the, the Pistons get Blake Griffin. Um, you know the Blake Griffin was keeping the Clippers afloat in the West. So the West is incredibly competitive. And Blake Griffin was able to compete and win some games in the West. That's a big sign. It's a good sign. Now, if you put him in the Eastern Conference, which is really terrible, I think Blake Griffin could do well and win a lot of games for the Pistons. Not a lot, but enough. Because right now, the Pistons are in a bad state right now. They're in an eight-game losing streak. Their season pretty much has fallen apart. The Pistons needed to change something. This is good for the Pistons. They have a a different roster. They can try a new equation and see if that is a difference that helps them win games. Also, another another aspect of this trade for the Pistons was Avery Bradley's contract was going to end. Now, Avery Bradley, there was no guarantee he would trade again with you in Detroit. And let's be honest, Detroit, not a free agent destination. Not a place you're going to get a lot of guys to sign in Detroit. But here, here's why I believe the Clippers won the trade. So you just signed Blake Griffin this offseason to a five-year Deal, And I am not. I I, I know I'm biased. I'm not a big believer in Blake Griffin. I think he's had lots of injuries. I think he's very he's questionable. Like I don't trust Blake Griffin in the long term for the future of your franchise. So so when you when the Clippers signed Blake Griffin to a five year deal, I was like, "Uh, I don't know that that's a great move. I really don't. Now, it's also good for, so they got rid of the horrible Blake Griffin contract. The Clippers also get Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley's highly regarded. Now, Avery Bradley's contract is up at the end of the season. He will be an unrestricted free agent. But you do get a couple months to show him around LA. You can acquaint him with the Clippers. If you're going to sign Avery Bradley, this is your best chance. Because you can, I mean, how better an opportunity to show someone about your franchise than just having them on your team, giving them a couple months to try it out, they may be re-signed. Similar to what the 49ers did with Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll take him, we'll show him what we do, we'll try to keep him around. So I think you have now a better chance of signing Avery Bradley than the Clippers ever would have had before. You also, the Clippers get Tobias Harris, a really good forward. He's He was in the all-star conversation. He's a great player. He's really good. everyone, highly regards him they really really like Tobias Harris so this is good for the Pistons they get a big star they gave him on a five-year deal and they can shake up their roster maybe the Pistons of Detroit maybe the Detroit Pistons needed to make a change and they might win games this way and then the Clippers got the good end of this because they got rid of the bad Blake Griffin contract they get two young guys they get a bunch of draft picks and they have a higher chance now of signing Avery Bradley than they would have otherwise now if I had to pick a winner I think both teams got a good end of this. They both benefited from this trade, but I do believe the winner of this trade is ultimately the Clippers. The Clippers are in reboot mode. They have draft picks. They have young players. They still have a couple assets they can move. The Clippers are on the good end of this trade. They really won this trade. The Clippers won the Blake Ingram, the Blake Griffin trade. The Clippers won the Blake Griffin trade. And now, I'll, by the way, I blink Blake Griffin horribly lost if we had to gauge sunshine I would say Blake Griffin really oh, completely lost this trade imagine moving from Los Angeles to Detroit no knock on Detroit I'm just saying sunshine alone I would rather live in Los Angeles just pointing out my name is Doc Shalmer. I'm going to take a short break when I return I'm going to talk about Josh Allen going to the Cleveland Browns we're going to talk a lot about college quarterbacks I'm going to go in depth on Luke Falk I, I got a lot of hate. Last time I talked about Luke Falk, I mean, that, that's my most hated video on all of YouTube. Everybody hates that video. I'm going to go in depth about Luke Falk. And later, I'm going to talk about the XFL. I'm going to go more in depth about the Cleveland Browns. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Help me grow the podcast by sharing the link to this podcast on Facebook, on Twitter, on Reddit maybe, on Instagram, wherever it is. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by sharing this with your friends. My name is Alex Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, I want to talk about the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl this year is very, very interesting. Normally, playing in the Senior Bowl does not matter at all. It doesn't, it's, it's nothing. Because you get to practice all week, have NFL scouts watch you, you get to work with NFL coaches. The game itself at the end of the week doesn't really matter. It's more about getting to hang out with the players and getting to hang out with the coaches and show what you have all week in practice. Doing the doing well in the game doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be great in the NFL. It doesn't really mean much of anything. Now doing bad, well even playing bad doesn't really matter. You don't, you don't, know who you're playing with, you've never worked with these receivers, you're working in an offense you've never played in before. We all know that the senior bowl is kind of, eh, doesn't really matter. For example, Baker Mayfield went 3 of 7 for only 9 yards passing. This does not really hurt Baker Mayfield. It's pretty neutral. It's like, well, we saw him all week in practice. We know who he is. His play does not deter us from possibly drafting him. I mean, Luke Falk didn't even play in the senior bowl, and it's like, eh, no big deal. He's fine. Now you want to do well, you always want to do well. Anytime you play in a football game, you want to impress people and do very well. Like Mike White uh, for Western Kentucky, I'd never heard of him until this game. Or Kyle Laletta from Richmond, that's even, I, I knew Mike White. I'd never heard of Kyle Laletta from Richmond. Nobody knew him. He did well, he grabs your attention. So Josh Allen is interesting because in the first half of the, the pretty meaningless, for the most part, the senior bowl doesn't matter at all. Josh Allen was only two for five passing. He had 14 yards and he ran for another 16 yards. Yeah, it's fine. Doesn't hurt him. It's pretty neutral. No one cares. We saw Josh Allen all week in practice. Hey, the dude's a stud. It doesn't matter. Now, it's interesting at halftime of the senior bowl, James Jones criticized Josh Allen. He criticized him, his competitiveness. He said that he kind of looked overwhelmed by the moment. He was sheepish and overwhelmed. Now in the second half, B- Baker Mayfield left, so the halftime comes around, Baker Mayfield says, look, I was two, I was three for seven, it's fine, this game doesn't really matter, and he just left the building. He went to find his flight, he completely left uh, Mobile, Alabama. Now Josh Allen came back in the game, Josh Allen said, look, I did not live up to my standards, I want to do better. Josh Allen came out in the second half, he had a good drive, he had a fourth down conversion, ultimately... Josh Allen had a great second half. He threw for two touchdowns. He looked really sharp in the second half. It was impressive, and it was like, wow, you did not need to do that. That's pretty cool. He, he overall finished 9 for 13 with 158 yards passing. It was impressive. Like He really did do a good job. So Josh Allen completely won the Senior Bowl. But why? Was it just because Josh Allen played well? No. Josh Allen did not have the best senior bowl of anybody else because he played well. Josh Allen showed heart. Josh Allen showed he wanted to prove himself when he did bad. He said, I want to do this again. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to do better than last time. Now it's interesting. I said the Browns shouldn't draft Josh Allen and not because I don't like him. I said that because of public opinion. I said, look, the public opinion of Josh Allen is he's not as good as Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen I will not criticize I promise if the Browns draft Josh Allen I'm not going to criticize them at all I never was planning to but the fear again is public opinion if the public opinion is that Sam Darnold is better than Josh Allen and you screw up if it goes badly at least you chose the guy everyone assumed is better If Peyton Manning is assumed to be better than Ryan Leaf, and yet you draft Ryan Leaf first, and Ryan Leaf fails, yet Peyton Manning kills it, you're dumb. You made a mistake. So if the public opinion was, Sam Darnold's better than Josh Allen, if you're gonna fail, take the guy everyone believes in at the very least. Now, if you think Josh Allen's the guy, awesome, go for it. Josh Allen's undeniable. I do like Sam Darnold more, but my fear again is public opinion opinion. Now this is great for Josh Allen because Josh Allen has now swung public opinion in his favor. The theory is now, well we didn't see Sam Darnold, we haven't seen Sam Darnold for a long time. He had a bad game against Ohio State, and now hey Josh Allen won the Potato Bowl, he killed it at the Senior Bowl, Todd McShay is saying good things about him, all this stuff, public opinion is swaying towards Josh Allen. If you think Josh Allen's the better quarterback, if you're the Cleveland Browns, go for it. Pick Josh Allen. I liked what he showed at the senior bowl. I thought his competitive spirit was awesome. He also has a lot of good traits. Remember, Josh Allen turned around the University of Wyoming's football program. I think they were Owens, Owen like twelve before he got there. They were terrible. He also played in cold weather. Josh Allen has a big arm. He's played in snow. He's played in bad weather, which he will play in if he goes to Cleveland. And he even said, he said, I want to turn around the Browns. Another example of Josh Allen turning the public opinion in his favor to make him look good. The Browns should draft the guy who makes them look the best. I know that's not great, but you have to look at it this way. If you're going to fail, do you want to fail with the guy that everyone believes in? Or do you want to look like idiots who fail with picking Tim Tebow or Johnny Manziel? Because everybody knew Johnny Manziel was going to fail. You don't want to pick a guy that everyone knows is going to fail. That's my point. I like Josh Allen. I really do. He, he obviously played well in the senior bowl, but that's not why I like Josh Allen. I love Josh Allen's attitude. I love his raw ability. And if you can combine a really good attitude, be coachable, do everything right with really good talent, which Josh Allen does have, that's a recipe for success. So I, I'm pretty much sold on Josh Allen. If the Browns pick Josh Allen, I'm for it. I'll support that. I really will. Also, I mean, I would have, I would have never criticized them. I would have been afraid of the Browns getting criticized them, either way. Now, I ultimately do think Sam Darnold's better, but I think both Josh Allen and Sam Darnold have a special kind of it factor that I can't explain. I noticed Sean Watson had it last year, and we've now seen that with Josh Allen, and I believe Sam Darnold has it as well. Now, what's interesting to me, I want to stick with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I've gotten a lot of comments on YouTube about the Browns, and people either people feel very strongly. I, I like Browns fans. They're very strong. They're very opinionated. They feel one way, and, and one guy commented on YouTube. He said that the Browns need to pick the best player available. The Browns should not draft a quarterback. They just need to take whoever the best player available at the number one overall draft spot is. Wrong. No. Eh. Doesn't work. No, no, no. The Browns should not draft the best player available. That's lunacy. Now, if you can sign Kirk Cousins, then you can get away with not drafting a quarterback. If you sign Alex Smith, Alex Smith is 33 years old. I think you still draft a quarterback. He's not your long-term player. But the notion that the Browns should draft the best player available is just wrong. It's stupid and dumb. How how, how about Miles Garrett? Hmm? How'd that work out for you? You drafted the best player available last year. How many games did Miles Garrett win you? Oh wait. Miles Garrett didn't win any games. The Browns literally went 16 and 0, which means having a great defensive end has no impact on actually winning games. You need a quarterback. You cannot win in the NFL without a quarterback. Bar none. Miles Garrett won zero games for the Browns. Deshaun Watson might have won one game for the Browns. One game. Quarterback is the most important position in all of football. Wide receivers, defensive ends, a left tackle, a running back. None of them have the same impact that a quarterback does. You cannot overdraft a quarterback. I don't believe in that. That doesn't work. If you draft a franchise quarterback, first overall, 12th overall, 11th overall, it's all Worth it. It is not a waste because a franchise quarterback can completely turn around your franchise and do things Miles Garrett, a defensive end, simply cannot do. How many times a game does Miles Garrett touch the ball? He doesn't. Maybe once if he gets a tip. Miles Garrett has very little impact on a game. He's a great player. If you, he, he makes your defense better. But a quarterback, quarterbacks are incredible. They have the power to change a game. Again, if the Browns draft Josh Allen, I'll support them. I think public opinion is very important. I I think Sam Darnold's better. But if you fail, at least you fail with the guy everyone believes in. Now, I will support Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. The Browns need a new quarterback next season. No matter what, Deshaun Kaiser's not good enough. Whether you get a quarterback in free agency, whether you draft a guy number one overall, the Browns need a new quarterback quarterback. I don't care how you find him. Deshaun Kaiser doesn't work. I watched Deshaun Kaiser a ton. I watched a ton of Deshaun Kaiser in college, believe it or not. He made the same mistakes in college he made in the NFL. He had the exact same issues. He Nothing changed. He didn't improve at all. And not to mention Deshaun Kaiser, the Browns starting quarterback last season, was filmed at 1 in the morning, the Friday night before a game at a nightclub. I don't care who you are. You can't do that. If you're the starting quarterback of any NFL football team, you can't be out at 1 in the morning on a Friday. Eh, You're done. You don't get it. You're not an NFL quarterback. The Browns must draft a new quarterback if they want to turn around their franchise. You can't turn around a franchise without a starting quarterback. So the belief that the Browns should draft the best player in the draft Is lunacy doesn't work, it doesn't make sense. If you can draft, if sorry, if you can sign a free agent quarterback, if you can sign Kirk Cousins, then you can get away without drafting a quarterback. And that's the best case scenario. But if you don't sign Kirk Cousins, you must, you absolutely must use the number one overall pick to sign a quarterback, not the fourth pick, not the second round pick the number one overall pick, you must draft a quarterback because the Browns will not be turned around unless they have a quarterback. Oh, but by the way, the maybe the best case scenario, I, I have no notes for this. I just think it's interesting. I, I heard a theory. I was, I was reading Peter King on Twitter. He talked about how it's possible that the Buffalo Bills will trade their two draft picks to get a first round pick. If you can, if the Cleveland Browns can sign Kirk Cousins. Then I think you do make a trade with the Bills because the Bills have the number 21 overall pick and the number 22 overall pick. You trade your fourth round, your number four overall pick for the number one pick, for the 21 pick and the 22 pick. You can trade your fourth overall pick, the Cleveland Browns can. If you sign Kirk Cousins, then you have a quarterback. Sign your fourth overall pick with the Bills to get two more first round picks. Then the Cleveland Browns would have Kirk Cousins, a free agent, franchise quarterback, and three first-round picks. If you can't turn around a franchise with a, with an acquisition of a franchise quarterback and three first-round picks, you're inept. You can't make it happen. I think that would be a great scenario for the Browns. And then the Bills would get a quarterback, and that'd be interesting too. So again, the Bills have two first-round picks. If the Browns can sign a quarterback... Trade your fourth overall pick, your second of your first round picks with the Bills. Get two more picks and then you're in business, man. Then you have a quarterback, you have Saquon Barkley, and probably two great defensive guys. That is how you turn around a franchise right there. I want to shift now to Luke Falk. (sighs) Um, I, I I made a video about Luke Falk. Everybody hated it. I made a video about Luke Falk. And everybody was angry. And I understand why. You know, I understand people don't like when they're critical. When other people are critical of things you love, you guys get offended. And that's fine. Um, I want to be very clear. Luke Falk is my favorite player in the NFL. The minute he signed to an NFL team, he will be my favorite player in the NFL. Bar none. Until he's done in the NFL, Luke Falk will be my favorite player in the NFL. I love Luke Falk. I'm biased. I go to Washington State University where Luke Falk went. My reason, though, is nothing to do with football. Um, you may or may not know my younger brother committed suicide two years ago, and the way Luke Falk has talked about suicide, I uh, I, I just got to say it's it's impressive. He's been incredibly vocal. He's been saying suicide is an issue we need to talk about. I I love Luke Falk forever. Luke Falk is my guy. Um, I believe in him. I, I don't. I love him. He's my favorite NFL player. And you can love something and be critical. I love the company Nintendo. And Nintendo Switch is one of my favorite game consoles. They made a new thing called the Labo, which makes no sense. It's like a paper folding. I don't know how it works with video games. Not for me. I can love one thing and yet still be critical of it. I can love Luke Falk and still be critical of Luke Falk. I don't mean to offend anyone. I love Luke Falk. He's my favorite quarterback. I really do. I think he's awesome. I want to dive deep into it because I think you guys have, with very fairly, given me a lot of criticism for my opinion on Luke Falk. So I want to somewhat defend myself and also just get into it. Uh, again, I made a video called Luke Falk is Not an NFL Quarterback. A pretty out there title, I understand. Um, and the reason you guys hated this video the most was I talked a lot about presence and people hated that. So that's fine. We'll remove presence. Maybe leadership and presence has nothing to do with being quarterback. Let's talk about football. Luke Falk broke a ton of records at Washington State University. He's the Pac-12's all-time leading passer. And I think it's interesting, the guy whose records he broke, Luke Falk is now the leading passer in the Pac-12. Before him was Sean Mannion. Sean Mannion out of Oregon State had all the records previously. And when he came out, nobody defended him. Nobody said Sean Mannion is the next great NFL quarterback. Sean Mannion's a backup. And that's pretty much what Luke Falk is. Sean Mannion is a number two quarterback. He's backup to Jared Goff. He's not terrible. He's not bad. He could be something someday. But right now, Sean Mannion's a backup. Or another comparison is JT Barrett. JT Barrett, the best passer in the history of the Big Ten. A a conference that gave us Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, among so many other quarterbacks. JT Barrett is the best of all of them, statistically. Yet nobody's defending JT Barrett. Nobody's saying, why are you calling JT Barrett a franchise quarterback? What? Statistics don't matter. And and, and to be quite frank, I I love, and I'm going to get into a minute, I'm going to talk in a minute about why I love Luke Falk and why I think he has some traits that could make him a great quarterback. But to be quite frank, Luke Falk absolutely disappeared last season in two different games. Against Cal and against UW, he was non-existent. And he was bad against Arizona, he got benched. He was bad against Boise State, he was also benched. You can't dispute that. Luke Falk got benched in two different games his senior year. The best quarterback in the history of the conference got benched twice. Now, I wonder, I really legitimately wonder, how much is that Mike Leach is hard to work with, and how much is that his play? I I don't really have any idea. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know. But I saw something uh, that just blew me away. It was um, I, you know, it really, it, Luke Falk won me over, I was really impressed, go watch Luke Falk's Senior Bowl interview, I've never seen anything like it, because we watched, I watched Luke Falk's every, I'm times, I even filmed his interviews, after games, I would watch live his interviews, and Luke Falk, I don't know, he never, like, go watch, go watch the USC post game, Luke Falk against USC had an incredible win, they won at the end of the game, they beat uh, top-ranked USC last season. And if you watch the post-game interview, Luke Falk's pretty like, yeah, it's fine. It's good. He doesn't seem into it, not excited. After winning the biggest game of his life, it's like, yeah, it's fine. Now, if you watch, in contrast, you watch the senior bowl interview Luke Falk gave, I've I've never seen a guy more candid, more honest, more real. I was like, I was shocked. I was blown away. And you watch every quarterback and they're clearly trained to say the right things. You, you know, Josh Allen's like, hmm. And then he answers. Baker Mayfield's being very careful, being very smart with every answer he gives. And yet Luke Falk was like, this is my answer. Bam, bam. Honest, real, to the point, presence. I was like, wow, I've never seen this before. I criticized Luke Falk's presence. And yet in the Senior Bowl interviews, I've never seen an eagerness. It was just like, I don't know. It's possible maybe that leaving. Washington State getting away from Mike Leach has now kind of set Luke Falk free. Maybe he's a different media personality than we've ever seen before. Uh, More likely, I think this. When my brother died my freshman year of college, it changed me completely. It changed everything about me. It really did. And I think it's, I mean, no disrespect. I think it's possible, though, that Tyler Holinsky's death um, is a completely life-altering moment for Luke Falk. And that will affect him the rest of his life. And he may use that and carry that with him. And um, that, when your life gets altered that way, um, it does change who you are. It really does. And I think that could be a new Luke Falk we've never seen before. Uh, now, I want to talk about things I love about Luke Falk. Luke Falk can really throw the football. I mean, I mean you say what you want. Say he disappeared at times. Say he got benched, yada, yada. Luke Falk can really throw the football. He, I mean, he threw the ball in cold weather at Washington State, in Pullman, Washington. I mean, the guy played in the snow and killed it. I watched him play against Colorado live in a, snow, in a, in a complete rainstorm. I've never, I've never been in a game more rainy in my entire life, and Luke Falk threw the ball all over the place. He's fine. He can throw the ball. He's also a walk-on, and I love that. I love that Luke Falk is a walk-on because walking onto a football team and then becoming the starting quarterback, unbelievable. That doesn't happen. That just, that's, that's so incredible and so difficult. And Luke Falk did that. He made that happen um also i've 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 been worried about luke falk as a leader in the interview luke falk talked about being a leader luke falk senior bowl interview again i encourage you to go watch it and he said all the right things i mean he talked about how it takes time you have to earn people's respect if someone wants to come in and give me life advice i'm not going to listen unless you've earned the right either you have status like tom brady has status if tom brady talks to me i'll listen. Or You know me personally, you've gained my respect, and I'll listen to you then. My best friends have my respect. Tom Brady has my respect for different reasons, status, or you've earned the right with your actions over time. And I, I really believe that Luke Falk understands that, and he can be an effective leader in the NFL. Now, someone got upset that I compared Luke Falk to Tom Brady. They said, how can you say that you don't believe in Luke Falk and then compare him to Tom Brady? Look, there's one thing that's undeniable. Watch Tom Brady in the pocket. Watch the way Tom Brady throws the football. And then watch the way Luke Falk throws the football. It's identical. Clearly, very clearly, Luke Falk has studied Tom Brady and tried to emulate the way he moves in the pocket. Also, very similar to Luke Falk, Tom Brady was benched in college. So it's very possible, I think, that Luke Falk could absolutely make it happen in the NFL. It it really could. Not anytime soon. Sean Sean Mannion's a backup, right? It's going to take Sean Mannion time. Luke Falk is going to be a backup for a while. But he could absolutely be an NFL quarterback. He overcame being a walk-on at Washington State. He's dealt with adversity before, and I admire and respect him for many reasons. Among that, though, walking onto a football team is incredibly difficult and incredibly hard. And he made it happen. His best bet. I believe Luke Falk, and I'm calling my shot right now. The Patriots will draft Luke Falk. It's a great scenario for Luke Falk. He can learn from, I mean, Luke Falk's favorite quarterback is Tom Brady. You can, he can learn from Tom Brady. There's no rush. He can take his time, get ready, and eventually replace Tom Brady. It's possible. That could happen. And, and I'm not worried about Luke Falk under center. I think a lot of people are, how can you go from the spread offense to under center? I think it's a little bit overhyped. Give the guy two years in any NFL system. He'll be just fine. I don't think he's an NFL starter right away. But keep your eye on Luke Falk. I I called my shot early. Um, I was a little bit presumptuous. I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to say what I did. I said what I did. I believed what I said when I said it. Um, But Luke Falk really impressed me in a senior bowl interview. I've never seen anything like that. The way he just commanded the camera and was like, I'm being honest. I'm real. I'm saying what I believe. It was impressive. I think it's really interesting. If the Arizona Cardinals did end up drafting Luke Falk, I don't know what would happen. I'd be very curious Um, I really don't know. I I want Luke Falk to be successful. And I think that's the message I want to send from this video. I love Luke Falk. He's my favorite quarterback. And I want him very badly to be successful in the NFL. I'm trying to remove my emotion from, I think, you know, in the past I've been really try to be unbiased and maybe I went too far. I don't know. But there are a lot of red flags about Luke Falk. He disappeared at times. He got benched. I don't know how to explain that. I really don't. But his body of work is undeniable. He overcame a lot of struggles. He did produce a ton at Washington State. And he seems to understand leadership. So we'll see. We'll wait and see. I am rooting for Luke Falk in the NFL. It's interesting to me. You guys want me to rank uh, the quarterbacks going into the NFL. Honestly, I apologize. I don't have a a ranking yet. I, I need more time to evaluate Uh, The guys going into the NFL draft, but here's my rough opinion Here's So I'm not ranking them. This is in no order. This is how I currently feel about the quarterbacks entering the NFL draft. Sam Darnold has by far the best arm of any of the quarterback prospects. I love his attitude. I I really like him. I met him personally. He's a great guy. He does have a turnover issue. I'm worried about Sam Darnold's issues with turnovers. He needs to have better coaching. He did not have great coaching at USC. Sam Darnold needs better coaching in the NFL. He has a lot of room to improve. I believe in Sam Darnold. Now, Josh Rosen is probably the most NFL-ready quarterback. Uh, he's the guy out of UCLA. He, he has the, the makeup. He, like, he looks like an NFL quarterback, but I do not trust his attitude. He's kind of been mouthy. I watched him talk back to Trent Dilfer years ago. I don't know. It, he concerns me. He is an NFL quarterback, but you can probably do better than Josh Rosen. He's like my probably fourth-ranked guy just because I think Josh Rosen— sorry, I think Josh Allen and Sam Darnold are better than Josh Rosen. Luke Falk is my diamond in the rough. He's interesting. I love his grit. I love his arm ability, but it's undeniable. Luke Falk completely disappeared at times in the NFL. I loved Baker Mayfield in college. He was my favorite college quarterback, Um, but his off-the-field issues— worry me I mean he has antics and problems off the field that scare me a lot and they scare me off of Baker Mayfield I don't really I wouldn't draft Baker Mayfield I think he has a weak arm and he, he scares me he he could be very successful I love what he's overcome I like his story but uh, I don't know I don't know he's a wait and see guy and Josh Allen is very interesting I, I he had a low completion percentage at Wyoming against Pretty bad talent against, like, you know, average teams, New Mexico State, guys like that, you know, Fresno. So to have a bad completion percentage against bad competition is worrisome. But he did. To his credit, Josh Allen was the biggest reason why Wyoming football turned around their program. And that's cool. Josh Allen has a great attitude and very similar to Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold and Josh Allen both have an it factor. I don't know how to explain it factor. I know that. Deshaun Watson last year had the it factor. It's when it matters most, you rise up to the occasion and you make it happen. We shall see. I don't know, but that's how I feel roughly about the quarterbacks entering the NFL draft at this moment. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we're going to talk about the XFL. We're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. And I'm going to talk about Todd Haley becoming the offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. I talked about it last week. I'm going to revisit that and kind of update you guys on my opinion you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire podcast on YouTube. You can also find my short, best, most interesting clips. It will be coming to Spotify and Google Play very, very soon. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. Help me grow by sharing this podcast with your friends. If you like this podcast, share a clip on iTunes, or share a clip on Google, on what am I talking? Facebook or Reddit or or Twitter, whatever it is. If you like strong opinion sports, share this with your friends. Help me grow by telling your friends about strong opinion sports. My name is Zach Shomler. God, I need a break. I need a breather. I will be right back. All right. I want to point out the NFL just had their version of an all-star game, the NFL Pro Bowl. <sighs> you know, I just, I think when football doesn't matter, it shouldn't happen. I just, I really don't like enjoy watching football When it's not important and there's no reason to care and there's no reason to play. If you're not playing for something, it's really hard to have a football game at all. I really don't. like Even even in week 17, the last week of the NFL season with two teams that are not going to make the playoffs, at least there's motivation to do well because you're playing to put out good film on tape so that next year when you're either uh, trying to find a new team to sign you or you want to be re-signed by your new team, you have to put out good stuff on film. You have to impress people watching. So even a week 17 NFL game between two teams that will not make the playoffs is far, far more interesting than the Pro Bowl. Like the Pro Bowl's a joke. I just, I don't know. I watched for an hour before work. I, uh, I watched until uh, right before Russell Wilson apparently got in. I, I stopped watching because I went to work at the basketball game I was filming. I just don't really enjoy it. I just like, eh, it's not, not interesting to me. I'd be very curious. I don't know if the Pro Bowl is cost effective. I think that would be interesting. As long as you're turning a profit and you have players that are willing to play, like maybe maybe keep the Pro Bowl. Like if if your ad revenue is big enough, it justifies itself. Leave the Pro Bowl, fine. I know that I don't know that I would want to play. Um, I I don't know. I like the Patriots. I've noticed you've never. I don't. I can't remember the last time Tom Brady played in the Pro Bowl. Maybe it's because he's in the, he's in the Super Bowl every year. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, re- I recall there was a video of Tom Brady saying he was teaching a kid how to throw at the Pro Bowl. Maybe he does go. I don't know. Uh, I just think it's interesting. Should the Pro Bowl exist? Eh, I don't think so. I don't know. I would rather watch. I would rather see a list come out. You know, these guys, these guys are named the Pro Bowl and they're the NFL All-Pro team. That's what should happen. I don't we don't need an all-star game. I just we already have enough football. Do we need more? Like, not really. I just I'm not in favor of the Pro Bowl. Um, But I do want to think more about it. I'll do more research and get back to you guys on Wednesday. Should the Pro Bowl exist? I don't know. Uh, I do have a good guest coming on Wednesday, by the way. My friend Lara is coming over to talk about the Super Bowl. She's awesome. She's a great broadcaster. That'll be a really fun episode. You guys will love Lara. Let's talk about the XFL. You guys asked me to talk about the XFL, and I think it's very interesting. When I first found out that the XFL uh, was planning to make a return, my first question was, why? Like, why? We already have a ton of football. We don't need the XFL. It's like, <laughs> I just don't care. I don't, I, don't, I don't want more football. It's just like, nah, I don't know. Like, we already have a big problem with the level of play in football. We're watching, there is so much bad football televised in college. This is what drives me nuts about college football. We watch bad technique, bad coaching, and all around bad football. I don't want more of that. I don't want more bad football televised. I like watching football at the highest level. I like watching the NFL. That's my favorite, by far, my favorite type of football. Um, I just, I don't know. We don't need more football out there. I really don't believe that. We already have so many leagues. So much is televised. If you if you want another league, go play in this, Like, Johnny Menzel's going to CFL. That's interesting to me. I want If I'm going to watch Johnny Menzel, I'll find him on YouTube playing for the... I don't know, this is the schedule on Rough Riders. I think that's a team in the CFL. I don't know. I just I don't care. I don't want the CFL. I don't need this. Now my question is can you get people to watch? Maybe I'm not interested in the CFL, in the XFL. Maybe people are. Maybe there are people who are curious about the CFL. But I think most people are in the same boat as me where people feel like, let's hold back. Let's wait and see. Can't let's we'll see can the XFL prove that its existence uh, can last? Because I think then they can do that, right? Then people like me might start watching. In three years that the XFL is still around, oh, maybe they are legit. Oh, they just signed a really good player? Huh. I'll take notice. But until they prove themselves, I don't care. See, Jim McMahon, the guy at the top of the XFL needs to look at the XFL as a long-term investment. Very similar to the way the 49ers operate. The 49ers said, look, we're going to pay John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan for six years. We'll give you guys six years to build something. And if after six years you can't make it happen, there's no progress, we're going to pull the plug. My question would be, are you willing to operate at a loss for a few years? Do the people at the top running the XFL or the owners of the billionaires financing the XFL... Are they willing to lose money for a couple of years to try to build their company, to try to build their league? Because again, like it's not going to be successful right away. This is an investment long-term. And if you're not willing to put up the money long-term, it's not going to work. I would compare it to strong opinion sports. You know, I have, I'm in college. I operate at no, I, I make no money from strong opinion sports, but I have nothing but time. I, I do this on my side. It's I, if this if this episode if this podcast cost me two hundred dollars to make every month, I probably I don't know that I would be able to do it because it's like after a while it's like man I'm spending a lot of money every week every month I'm losing money I'm not making any money then it's not worth it and I don't know I, I don't know I, I love what I do but it, is it I don't know I'd, I'd have to answer my I'd have to ask myself a really tough question is this worth doing when it's not cost effective and you're gonna have to ask the same question if you are the the executives of the XFL, can you lose money? And are you willing to do that for a couple of years to try to build your audience? Like how much time and how much money does does Vince McMahon have? I said Jim McMahon, I meant Vince McMahon, I apologize. And even then, even if you, as Vince McMahon, I think he is the owner of the WWE, I believe, even then, if you are patient, if you give it four years, if you're willing to Invest a lot of time and a lot of money into the program. Even if you're four years in, you still have to give us a good, interesting product. So patience may not be enough. You need a lot of things to go right. I am not a believer in the XFL. Do I think the XFL will exist? Do you think do I think the XFL will succeed? Prediction? No. (laughs) No way. I I really don't. Um I you know, I screwed up Vince McMahon. I meant to say Vince McMahon, I, I messed up his name. I apologize, but if that's what makes you angry about this video, you're kind of missing the point. All right. Uh, So the XFL will not be successful. I want to talk about uh, Kyrie Irving. One of my first videos I ever made, I was criticizing Kyrie Irving uh, for asking to be traded away from the Cleveland Cavaliers. I called, I believe I quote, I called Kyrie Irving ungrateful. I said, how can you leave a chance to win a title? How can you leave LeBron James to go to the Boston Celtics? Now, since my first video, I've grown and changed quite a bit as a person. Um, I think I've learned a lot. And upon reflection, I believe Kyrie Irving did what was best for him. And I support Kyrie Irving's decision to leave Cleveland and go to the Boston Celtics. So let's look at where Kyrie Irving is right now. Right now, Kyrie Irving is number one in the Eastern Conference with the Celtics. He has Brad Stevens, the best young coach in all of the NFL, and Kyrie Irving has hope for the future. The future is bright in Boston. Kyrie Irving has a lot to look forward to in the next couple of years with the Boston Celtics. Now, if you stay in Cleveland, if Kyrie Irving had decided to stay in Cleveland this season, he probably would have competed for a championship this year with the Cavaliers. But then LeBron James would have left. See, I would have had one great year with LeBron, and then he would have left. And then what? Then you're in Cleveland, and Cleveland's an absolute mess. See, I respect what Kyrie Irving did. And I learned a big lesson from this. Kyrie Irving took the future into his own hands. Let me ask you a question, a hypothetical. Would you rather get in the into someone else's car, get into someone else's car and have no idea where you're headed? Or would you rather drive your own car, get in your car that you own, you're driving and you know where you're going? I would be driving my own car. I want to control my own destiny. I want to be in control of my life. And I can't blame Kyrie Irving for wanting that at all. You know, my dream is to have my own company making videos for myself. I don't want to work for ESPN doing sports radio. I don't want to work for Fox radio. I want to have my own podcast with sponsors and do my own thing because I want to drive the car. I want to be in control. I want to say what I want to say. I don't want to be beholden to sponsors or this or that or have... A corporate overlord, I want to say what I want. And the corporate overlord for Kyrie Irving, that was LeBron James. So I respect, I understand why Kyrie Irving left Cleveland. He wanted to drive his own car. If something was going to change for Kyrie Irving, he wanted it to be his choice that he was in control of. I respect Kyrie Irving. I I have changed my opinion on this. I, I think Kyrie Irving is better off now, even now, even though he may not even beat the Cavaliers and compete in the finals, Kyrie Irving is better off now than he would have been if he stayed in Cleveland. (laughs) By the way, what if the Cavaliers lost to the Celtics? Like, what if some miraculous way Kyrie Irving was able to pull off uh, the defeat of the Cavaliers? Like, what if the Celtics could beat the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference playoffs? (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm rooting for that. I don't know. I, I love LeBron, but that would be pandemonium. Oh my goodness, what would we say? What would we say? I mean, LeBron haters, people that don't like LeBron would rejoice. They would be, oh yes, they'd be so excited. And I love LeBron, I really do. But I root for storylines and that's a great storyline right there. I mean, the finals would be terrible. The NBA finals, the Celtics and the Warriors is a blowout, not even interesting. But what would we say about LeBron James? If some way, miraculously, LeBron James was not able to beat Kyrie Irving in the Eastern Conference Finals, or maybe just the regular Eastern Finals, Eastern Playoffs. I don't know. What would we say? Like, what would be the future of LeBron? Like, what would we debate? I don't know. I I just know that that's a storyline that could happen. The Celtics could beat the Cavaliers. I think it'd be interesting. I love LeBron, but man, (laughs) if Kyrie Irving beats LeBron James in the playoffs, Oh, man, I I root for interesting storylines, and that is an interesting storyline all the way. All right, last thing I want to talk about today. I talked last week about Todd Haley. I said that Todd Haley was hired by the Cleveland Browns. I called this an absolute mistake. I said, I don't like it. It was wrong. And I'll be honest, I still don't love it. I really am not a fan of Todd Haley. I don't think this is a great hire for the Cleveland Browns. Hiring Todd Haley as your offensive coordinator scares me. I mean, he's a rigid guy. He doesn't get along with Big Ben. He's been in multiple bar fights, which is a huge red flag to me. I don't like that at all. But you got to point out, who's better? There's not a lot of options. There's not a lot of people better than Todd Haley. And that's a very fair point. A point I respect. And not to mention, Todd Haley's had some success. So I was very critical of the Browns signing Todd Haley to be their new offensive coordinator. I got to admit it's not the best move, but there's not a lot of other better moves out there. So I do, I wanted to revisit that because I, I want to have kind of a rebuttal and I wanted to change my mind a little bit. I'm not excited about Todd Haley, but I don't know what else they could have done better. So I, I do support that move. And I do want to point out Sam Darnold or Josh Allen, whoever the Browns have next year at quarterback, they will be more coachable than Big Ben. Big Ben is a... Hall of Fame quarterback, has tons of experience. Whoever the Browns quarterback is next year, I hope he's willing to get yelled at and he's coachable. If you're willing to do that, Big Ben was not, but Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold, all of those guys are, I, I believe, highly coachable. They will listen to Todd Haley. They will listen to him yelling. They'll listen to his rig- rigidity. They will let Todd Haley morph them into whatever they need to be. So I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of Todd Haley, but I think that it could work with Todd Haley in Cleveland. It's the best chance they got. Like who else are you going to hire? I don't know. So it's not the worst hire in the world. I, I, I made it seem like it was. I don't know. I just, I think it's, it was worth revisiting because I did change my opinion on it slightly. My name is Zach Schomler. This has been Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I love that you guys listen to my podcast. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, very soon Google Play and Spotify. Help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about it on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Post this podcast on Reddit. Please, I don't understand how Reddit works and I want your help. Um, Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about it. My name is Zach Schaumler. Once again, thank you so very much for listening. I hope you had a great day and I will talk to you guys again. The podcast will probably post uh, after midnight on Wednesday because Lara's coming over. That takes a lot longer to edit those multi-person podcasts. So look for the podcast uh, Thursday morning, very after midnight, after midnight, um, Wednesday night. So early Thursday morning, the next episode of Strong Opinion Sports will post. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day, everybody. ba um bum bam